from the nocturnal studios of the Univest Public Media Center in Bethlehem, PA. It is time for another slimy hour of chemical-free horticultural hijinks. You bet your garden. I'm your host, Mike McGrath. Are your plants disappearing overnight? Your first suspects should be slugs and or snails. And on today's show, we'll reveal that there must be 50 ways to kill your sluggies. Otherwise, it's a fabulous phone call show, Cats and Kittens. That's right, potential guests are busy buying copper flashes. So we will take that heap and helping of your telecommunicated questions, comments, tips, tricks, suggestions, and decidedly delicate denunciations. So keep your eyes and or ears right here, because it's all coming up faster than you saving your garden with a flashlight and some lettuce leaves right after this. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome to a classic edition of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of the Univest Public Media Center in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath, and coming up a little later in the show, slugs and snails can devastate gardens overnight, but because they work at night, they are often not blamed. On today's show, we'll tell you how to get them before they can get you. 888-492-9444. Carl, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Well, thank you for making it, sir. How you doing? I'm well. Um, staying home and warm today. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's what winter's all about, isn't it? Uh, where is Carl? I'm calling you from Berwyn, but I'm actually asking a question about a property I'm going to acquire in Pike County, Pennsylvania. Whoa, that's up there, right? Yes, it is, up by the water gap. Okay, well, beautiful territory. Um, go ahead, tell me. So uh, in anticipation of what I might plant, I consulted the USDA um, growing zone map, mm-hmm. and it appears this property is either on or real close to the line mm-hmm. between zones 5A and 6B. Mm-hmm. So I, a couple of questions then is, I don't know how often the map is updated, particularly as concerns uh, the climate change situation. Mm-hmm. And uh, being close to the line, should I err in caution and go to 6B, or, or what would you suggest? That's not cautious. That's suicidal. Um, any, okay. Anytime you see a 5, you know, you're in a cold zone. That's what you should depend on. Now, as I'm going to be telling people to do over the next couple of weeks on the show, I want you to research the historical weather data for this new region you're going to move into. You want to look at the past five years, April, May, and June, and you want to look at the average nighttime temperatures for that region over the past five years. Don't worry about a last frost date. That's not useful at all, because if you're going to plant tomatoes and peppers and stuff, the nighttime temps have to be in the 50s. So that will help you more 
than any kind of zonal information. Although I will add that in one sense, your concerns or, or whatever are correct in that um, zones seem to be getting warmer and moving up. But um, you're in a very unique area up there in Pine, Pine Cam- uh, Pike County, not Pine, but I guess right. they got pine trees. Uh, <laughs> and um, I would be conservative about planting out times. Now, what are we talking about? You're talking about buying big trees and shrubs, having a vegetable garden, when to turn on the well, hot I, tub. I wish. Um, no, I have a, a slope. It goes down to a, a large lake. that I, It faces east-southeast. Yeah. And I was thinking of some grapevines and possibly a couple of apple trees. On a slope? Yeah, kind of like the Rhineland. Um, how much gardening experience do you have? Oh, well, I've, I've been doing it for quite a few years here in Berwyn in the raised beds. I've got a couple of, about at least four vines right now, okay. grapevines that have been healthy for years. Apple trees, not so much. Apple trees are a lot of work. Um, right. But luckily in your region, they have a strong chilling requirement, most of the varieties. So you might even do better there. What kind of grapes are you growing? Uh, Itasca grapes are made, uh, you know, bred through the Cornell program up in New York State, so they are cold hardy. Yeah, but what are they? They're white grapes for wine. Oh, okay, like Chardonnay. Yeah, yeah. Because that's one of the few uh, grapes that you can grow reliably here. I don't like the slope. Sure, right. Don't you have any flat no. ground? No, I don't like the slope at oh, all. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, we do. But I thought that it would have a favorable sun. Well, if you're going to terrace the area to make it easy right. for you to tend the grapes and right. you get a grape that's designed um, for colder regions, um, that seems to be okay. I don't, like a, I don't like the slope for the apple trees. And if you hadn't had success with apple trees, which is nothing to be ashamed of, Stop trying. You know, you're probably good okay. at growing a hundred other things. Um, don't don't go chasing the will-o'-the-wisp on this one. Apple trees require a lot of time and energy and time and time and care. And there's so many easier things you can grow. And I've noticed that the quality of organic apples you can buy in markets has been extraordinary. I'd rather pay them to do the dirty work. Yeah, good point. Okay. I can see you terracing your grapevines. Just don't let them go down too low. Keep them towards the top of the slope so that you don't accidentally get them into a frost zone. Right. Okay. Okay, I will. All right, man. I thank you. All right. Enjoy the show and uh, stay in good health. Bye-bye. Dennis, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hey, Mike. How you doing? I am just ducky, Dennis. How are you? I'm great. I'm, I'm great, Mike. I'm, 
I'm just over the hill from you in Saucon Valley. I can almost see the studio. Oh, okay. I thought you meant over the hill as in you're even older than I am. Yeah, I, I think that's true, too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Over the hill and over the hill, and I'm sure there's a nursery yeah. rhyme in there somewhere. So I've been listening to you for over 20 years, Mike. In fact, you and I have met a couple of times at the Philadelphia Flower Show where I tug along with you as you led a group of us when you in the old WLVR days. Um, um, so it's that's a while back. Thank you for the plug. Um, those were the uh -huh. indoor days at the uh, convention center in Philadelphia. Right. And yes, uh, we used to have a big fundraiser for my station in Philadelphia. And we would take a very small group behind the scenes with the designer, Sam Lemhenny. And Sam and I would uh, trade barbs at each other um, after <laughs> my group had had one too many glasses of wine and probably seven too many hors d'oeuvres. I noticed some people started bringing Ziplocs. Um, and we will be doing this again in June for the Outdoor Flower Show in Roosevelt Park in South Philly. So stay tuned for that. All right, Dan, great to talk to yeah. you. Bye-bye. Am I still here? Yeah, still. you're still hey, here. Hey, I'm, I'm a, you know, an avid, have been an avid organic gardener for years and years, but mm -hmm. we've sort of life changed and circumstances changed and most of our gardening uh, big gardens are, are well behind us, but we love to grow herbs. Right. And um, we use lots of parsley and basil and mm -hmm. mint and chives. And so, um, I you know, we what we've been doing is growing them in pots for years out on the uh, out on the back um, area of the home where our entertainment area is, where they're where they're subject to a lot of sun. Wait a minute. Wait water, a minute. How entertaining is this area? What we talking a two hundred square inch TV, a hot tub, a, a grill <laughs> with more burners than most row homes have in all the row. You know? Well, if you're looking for an invitation, Mike, I can get you one. But can you? <laughs> it's it's the family gathering area. We have a pool out back, and we have a you know a, a little bar that we've built in a grilling area and the sitting area, and um, it's just our, our hangout area. But it's a spot you. to put some pots. Right. And the pots, um, they would just dry out and, you know, we travel a bit. And if we were gone for, mm. you know, four or five, six days, we'd come back. And, mm. of course, you know, some stuff would make it, some stuff wouldn't. So about two years ago, I decided to do some above-ground raised um, containers. And I got Good. online and I found I found one. It made out of fur. They shipped it to me like two feet by four feet. Wait a minute. You're not allowed to wear fur anymore? <laughs> well, I, I disguised it. I painted it so that nobody could tell. <clears throat> but when I put the thing together, it yeah. was such a piece of junk, Mike. That it mm. lasted like one season and just there were no nails. It was like fit it together, slap it together, and put little clips on the ends. And mm -hmm. so it fell apart. Last year, I bought one at Tractor Supply. I love that place. Right. Um, and, it, and that one was made out of man-made material. I don't know what. And extruded aluminum, molded plastic bottles. I don't know what it was made of, but it's it's held up pretty well. It's in one of those photos that I sent. Oh, I and don't have the photos in well. front of me, but Jake will put them up on screen, which is no help because I and, can't um, see it's, them. Well, it's it's so, again about the same size. Are these? And well, it well wait a minute because well. I can't see them. Um, are these raised okay. beds on legs? Yes. Yes. yes okay. They are. Okay. I would also rec 
I would also recommend a company called Greens Fencing. Um, they are la the largest producer of raised bed kits and compost uh, compost bin kits in, I believe, the world, certainly the U.S., and it's all local cedar, and it's very high quality. I have a raised bed on legs out on my patio, which doesn't have a giant grill. I got a little two-burner, $100 thing. I don't have, I, I still have a, a kitty wading pool that I can put my feet in. You know, I run around in the sprinkler in the summer. It's it's pathetic. <laughs> Too much. I'm making me feel bad. So anyway, this worked well. This And I have just one of them. So now mm -hmm. I, and, and I, I tried to split it in half. Um, you know, and I planted mint and basil and parsley. Oh, oh, you didn't, you and, didn't actually take a chainsaw to it like a bad divorce. No, no, no. It's just a piece of wood I shoved down to create a separation between, especially the mint. You know how mint grows. It just oh, yeah. takes off. You know, it just, it, it dominates everything. And the basil was alongside of it. So by midsummer, you know, the parsley was being choked out. The rosemary had basically disappeared and um, the chives were just uh, pathetic. So I've decided I would like to find a more organic, uh, and maybe this uh, green fencing is perfect, um, um, solution to, to uh, something that I can put irrigation in and something that will drain. That seems to be the biggest issue here with rotting okay. and finding a way to get. My, uh, does your deck have railings? Yes. So my first answer is going to be technically non-organic, but there are many hard plastic rectangular containers that have cutouts in the bottom where they kind of attach themselves naturally to the decking. And you can grow a lot of things in a line of those. And it would not be at all impossible to get a little drip line and a timer and have it take care of your stuff while you're away. Um, I, I, did, I do recommend greens, uh, raised beds on legs, but you don't necessarily have to choose. You can play around uh, with a bunch of things. But I think the, um, the containers that are built to fit onto a deck are going to be much easier to attach um, a drip line or a sweat line to because they'll, they'll all be in a row. Are, are you talking about the ones that hang off of the railing? Mike? No, no. Um, no. You sit them on top of the railing, and the bottoms are cut out so they fit right onto the top of the deck. Gotcha. Yeah. So with just like two legs, you mean? No, no. Rather uh, than you know, four legs. Imagine yeah. a rectangular container that has a flat bottom. Now cut right. out the center of the flat bottom and move it up so that it fits precisely onto your average wooden deck. So it sits up there nice and high. Um, it doesn't need to be screwed in or anything like that. The weight of the container holds it in place. And again, if you line up like six of these puppies, you can run a single drip line across them, again, with a timer, and you can go away to your heart's content and, and come back to herbs and because you have so many different ones out there, you can plant a different herb in each one so they won't get bullied out of their lunch money. I, I should say that the railing that we're talking about putting this on is a major runway for the squirrels. 
Um, so they'll, <laughs> I don't do know whether that'll feeders? be an issue or not. But, do you have, uh, no, I don't have bird feeders. You don't have bird feeders. Do your neighbors have bird feeders? No, I do, feeders? but I don't use them. Well, you told me not to use them. Yes, I did. <laughs> right. Okay, one, one, one simple solution, because we got to move on, is buy a whole yeah. bunch of bulk hot pepper powder and dust that on top of the soil. It won't hurt the uh -huh. plants, but it'll keep the squirrels from moving your spring bulbs around. Okay, and can I get these, these devices you're talking about through green fencing? I don't know if they make a wooden version, um, but once you start looking at rectangular deck containers, you'll see what I mean. Okay, all, all right. right, that sounds like my solution. Thank all you right. very much. My pleasure, you get out and, of here. And I'll give, you, I'll give you a call in July when the pool's open. I hear that. <laughs> All right, take care, Dan. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, it's time for me to take another little break and remind everyone out there that you are listening to a classic, classic episode of You Bet Your Garden from the year 2019, but just about the same date as this year. And we're going to be talking about how to take care of slugs and snails, which rarely get the blame, but do a tremendous amount of garden damage. So keep your eyes and or ears, cats and kittens, because we'll be right back with 50 ways to kill your sluggies. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to the Univest Public Media Center in Bethlehem, PA. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome back to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Univest Public Media Center in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath, coming up slugs and snails. We're going to tell you how to determine if they're vanishing your plants overnight and then what to do about them. In between, more of your fabulous phone calls. And in between, more of your fabulous phone calls at 888-492-9444. Now do you see why I need a week off? Jonathan. Welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hello, Mike. Thanks Hello. Thanks so much for taking my call. Oh, John, thank you so much for making it. Otherwise, I'd be sitting here talking to myself. Oh, we can't have that. Well, I, I don't think it would be a bad idea, but the people pounding on the window outside the control room do. Anyway, <laughs> how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thanks. And I am calling from uh, Lamont, Pennsylvania, just outside of uh, State College. Oh, okay. I know Bellafont, or is it Bellafonte? Uh, Belfont. Belfont. Uh, and, uh, yep, I actually lived there before uh, moving here to Lamont. What a great little town, except for the, uh, the hills, which make San Francisco <laughs> look flat. They certainly do. But, yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful town here in, in central PA. All right. What can we do you for? 
Well, so I have some questions for you about my Meyer lemon tree. Um, uh, wait, you know, my, my wife and wait, I. Have... Wait, Or did you send us pictures? I did. Oh, you know, excuse me. If you're watching on television, get the children out of the room before Jake <laughs> throws up the image of what makes Charlie Brown's Christmas tree looks like it deserves to be on the White House lawn, right? Well, and that's why I need your help. Um, it does so well outside over the summer months, but um, when we bring it inside to over winter, um, it survives, but I feel like just barely. This almost seemed to be a job for the uh, lemon uh, coroner. Um, now, you, is it fully leafy and glossy and beautiful and fragrant when you bring it in? Yes, absolutely. Okay, we have to call the police now because whatever happens <laughs> once you've brought it inside, um, I'm going to suggest might be just shy of a war crime. What, how exactly do you not care for <laughs> inside? Well, that's I, I feel like that's such a mystery because I feel like we're trying to do um, everything right. Um, we we only water it um, when I tilt the container and it feels very light. Excellent. Um, we have one of those deformable garage uh, LEDs uh, over it really? uh, to provide some illumination for it. Yep, um, and I. Now, even even one of those super bright LEDs is not really enough to sort of give give bright light to the whole tree. It's it's only getting you know part of it at any one time. But uh, uh, Jonathan, it was just Jonathan, really, I, yeah. I I I saw the pictures that the medical examiner took. When you say whole tree, you're talking about bare bare branches and one tiny lemon. That that is true. But those bare branches weren't bare when I brought it in. That's so weird. And okay, so you're in State College area. When did you bring yep. it back in? Um, I believe this year it was around mid-September. Yeah, it's not the worst. <sighs> and it was it was fine. Yes, it really was. And, and you didn't the... you didn't reverse harden it off by bringing it in. Um, to say an enclosed porch and then inside the house. No, I did not. Um, it came straight from out on the deck into into our dining room under that light. And how close is the light to the plant? Um, uh, right now, the light is probably just about an inch or two from uh, you know from okay. the one uh, branch that's sort of pointing straight up. Okay. Um, Skeletal arm. Yeah. No, you're tree if it had a pet name would be skeletor uh <laughs> and and i haven't seen he-man in ages he joined the wwe or something anyway um you brought it in what kind of location is it in uh so we have uh, uh two glass doors uh on our dining room that lead onto the deck right. and we uh, basically just have it in the in the corner there sort of beside one of those doors um, uh, just yeah, just in the in the corner of the dining room. Okay, near a heat vent. There, there is a heat vent um, underneath it that oh, I have no, a, a no, no. on. Bingo, din din din. No, 
what were you trying okay. to weasel out of there? Um, what did you say? You're... I have a diverter on it. You have a diverter on it. Star Trek. Key the diverters. Um, so that means you got this plastic thing that pushes the air in a different direction. Yeah. But the tree, you said, was on top of it. Yes, it's above it. Thank God my father was a homicide detective, or I would not know what questions to ask next. Okay, so what is, and here we go. And now, my dad used to love Columbo, by the way, because that was his style of detective. You know, just, this makes so much sense, Mr. Brown. But just one more thing. Um, <laughs> is there something in between the tree and the diverted heat. Otherwise, no, your not. story doesn't add up, and I'm, I'm, I'm calling the uniforms right now. How can it be on top yeah. of something that's not flat? Oh, it's, it's beside, so the, the vent is in the floor, and um, the diverter is on top of the vent, and the tree is, is to the side of the vent. Got it. Okay, and how cold does it get by those doors at night? Um, well... It's, it's unfortunately it's been a brutal winter up here. Um, duh, duh. But um, here too. By, <laughs> sure. Um, if my orthopedic windows, surgeon had caught me doing anything the last two weeks, they would have sent me to prison. <laughs> it it probably does get cold by those doors, but I wouldn't think below say sixty degrees. Okay, so um, I don't care what you think; it's reality that counts. <laughs> Um, so you bring it in September 15th, let's say, when does it mm -hmm. start dropping its leaves? This year it held on to them for a while. It has only started dropping leaves for about, a, about a month now. But then it had to be like a blitzkrieg. No, it really has been. It has been, um, I, I've been working at home. I sit very near it and I, I literally hear leaves dropping, you know, Throughout the day. Well, that's part of your punishment. Uh, <laughs> awareness is not all it's cracked up to be. Okay, so do you have any other place you can put it? I don't like the location for 18 different reasons. Yes, I, I have a number of places I could move it. Can you offer some suggestions about what to what to fix uh, away from windows uh, is it the heat vent all of the above oh all of the above plus all of the criminal actions you haven't given up yet um what i'd like you to do is move it to a place where it gets in direct light like a south facing window with a curtain to diffuse okay. the light even those the even those well, nose, nose, anything goes. Turn my nose into a fire hose. Um, even though the um, plant is a perennial and in its native environment would grow um, all year long, you know, we're dealing with something that has to go into a forced kind of hibernation, forced dormancy. Mm -hmm. So what I want you to do Find a south-facing window, um, put it up on a nice table so it, it thinks you still okay. love it, and um, keep the curtains closed, but keep it in bright light. 
if you wish to add the deformable new LED lights, at least a foot above the plant. These okay. are these are not like fluorescents, as you know. They give off some heat. Okay. So you, it's yeah, they do. It's the opposite of the rule for fluorescents. You you know, if you want to give this plant some extra um, light, light. Oh, I couldn't remember the word light. Um, you can still use your deformable. Set it on a timer, twelve hours off. Mostly at night, 12 hours on, especially when daylight is coming through the window. Um, keep it okay. keep it properly watered. It looked like it had dried out, which under the circumstances it was under is very reasonable. Um, you know the heavy light routine. So... Mm -hmm. You know, let's keep with that. And because this is a full or was a full grown plant, um, <clears throat> uh, you don't have to worry about damping off disease or anything like that. Put a saucer okay. underneath when you water. And when the saucer gets filled, wait two hours and go back. If the saucer's empty, you're good. If there's still stuff in there, use a turkey baster to get it out of there. Um, Okay. It is also, believe it or not, even though your tree looks ready to be um, measured for a casket, it is the time of year where these plants like um, a good feeding. You know, because okay. again, they, I was going to ask about that. Yeah, they come from part of the world that's the opposite of us. So get a natural organic plant food that is designed for citrus. Now, it's probably going to be granular, so spread it on the surface of the soil, cover it with more soil, and um, water it, in this case, frequently, um, okay. like a little bit of water every day. That'll activate uh, the fertilizer, and that's it, and if it doesn't work, send me a mass card. I, I certainly will. If if you don't mind my asking, the, the other question I had is it does have a few green fruits on it. Should I take those off? No. Okay. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your help today, and uh, I will do my very best to stop trying to kill this uh, beautiful little lemon tree. All right. Um my other suggestion would be to move to San Diego and just leave it outside all the time. I have that uh, recommendation has never meant more to me than it does right now. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. All right. Good luck with your ice dams. We got to go. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Barry, welcome. Yes. To You Bet Your Garden. How you doing, Mike? I am just Ducky, and Ducky has a little friend who's come to visit, and we can't get a mask on this little guy, so he runs away. All right. Where are you, Barry? I am in beautiful Whitehall Township. Okay. Where all the malls are. Yes, unfortunately. Okay. Well, I mean, if you need something, it's there, right? Yeah, it's handy, I guess. Oh, I should mention to our listeners and uh, on other planets that Whitehall is in Pennsylvania and um, not, you know, kind of connects to Allentown, but it is 
1,500 acres of every store known to God and man. (laughs) All right, Barrett, what can we do you for? Well, I have a question regarding pruning roses. Good. When... What is the proper time, and how far back should they be cut? Okay, the proper time to prune roses is in the spring, about two weeks after new growth appears and when all chance of frost is gone. Um, In terms of uh, how far to go, that's really up to you. Um, You know, sometimes the uh, ugliest stems produce the most beautiful offshoots. Um, So really, you prune them to get rid of any severely damaged or diseased-looking areas. If it's a big, clumpy rose, you prune out some stuff in the center to improve the airflow. Um, But otherwise, the, the height is up to you. Some people like to keep them low. Some people, you know, especially with a climbing rose, I got one that's 30 feet long. So that's a lot of flowers on that. So it depends somewhat on the variety of rows. But, you know, it's easy peasy if you do it at the right time. You can't really make a huge mistake. Okay. Yeah, I was pruning them around this time of year. That's probably what I was doing wrong. I was a little too early. Yeah. And I'd cut off anything that was above any new shoots I saw. So I thought that was the right thing to do. No. I mean, you can if you want to, you know, if you want to be that way. But I just I, I just go out there and uh, prune off the tops, get rid of any um, ugly parts and open up the center. I, I don't look at where the shoots are coming out. I got I don't have time for that. <laughs> OK. I'm told you have another question. Yes. When do I take down my suet and bird feeders? That's an excellent question. I was just thinking about that today. I have had so much action at my bird. Me too. Oh, my goodness. Have you ever seen this many birds? Certainly not in a seed feeder. Yeah, I get a lot. I get a lot of birds. Oh, I got like eight different kind of woodpeckers chickadees the titmouse um wrens goldfinches i get goldfinches and it's amazing yeah uh one thing people don't realize is that at this time of year when we're coming out of winter and the birds are mating and nesting they need extra fat extra protein um and it's good for the shells of their eggs so i intend to leave my suet feeders up until it gets really warm, maybe even in June. Because, oh, okay. Well, because the egg layers can use it. But then when they okay. come down, that's the end of the feeding. Then I just put out fresh water. Okay. All right. Very good. All right, sir. You take care. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. You too. Stop at Target for me and pick up a few things. Okay. <laughs> All right. Take care, man. All right. Bye-bye. So long. Well, it's time for me to take another little break and remind everyone out there that you are listening to a classic, classic episode of You Bet Your Garden from the year 2019, but just about the same date as this year. And we're going to be talking about how to take care of slugs and snails, which rarely get the blame, but do a tremendous amount of garden damage. So... 
Keep your eyes and or ears, cats and kittens, because we'll be right back with 50 ways to kill your sluggies. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to the Univest Public Media Center in Bethlehem, PA. This is 91.3 FM, WLVR Bethlehem, WLVR.org. Welcome back to a classic episode of You Bet Your Garden, originally airing in 2019, right around this date on the calendar. And that was when things were normal, weren't they? But nothing is normal about slugs and snails. And we will give you all the details of how to control them because we're in the stretch now, cats and kittens. And we'll see you right back after a couple more of your fabulous phone calls. Tina, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thank you. Well, thank you, Tina. It's good to have you answer my question. Yeah, well, I haven't done that yet. Don't get your hopes up. (laughs) (laughs) How are you doing? I'm doing good. It is Mildly sunny here today, very windy, uh, but in the 50s. Yep. I am in uh, South Central Kentucky, about an hour north of Nashville, about an hour and a half south of Louisville. Can you pick us up on live radio from Nashville? Um, I, I get you on WPLN in Nashville on Saturday morning. It, it's... Um, it's probably you're not live, but yes, they are broadcasting live. <laughs> oh, I'm barely alive, <laughs> Tina. All right. <laughs> what? Oh, and by the way, we love our listeners in that part of the country. You guys are great. Now, what can I do you for? Well, I am in the process of starting uh, some seeds inside. In the past, I've done just some lettuce to kind of get ahead a little bit, and I plop it down into the bed and I like um, I've not had very good luck with beets so I've been starting them inside and moving them out and then huh. this year for the past couple of years I've been doing some spinach or trying with spinach and I've had horrible luck and so I've been reading about why my spinach seeds aren't sprouting and someone advised priming them and I've done that with parsnips in the past um, or at least I've wet them, you know, in a paper towel overnight and then let them dry and then then planted them when we've done better with that. But uh, the priming for spinach seems a lot more involved. So I just wanted to get your take on that and see um, if we need to go through every step, snip the seeds, those kinds of things. Okay, so the first thing I want to say is um, priming is the best way to plant spring peas. You take the big peas and you wrap them in damp paper towels and you put the towels into a Ziploc, but you don't zip it. And within a few days, you should have little wiggly sprouts coming out. And then when you plant them, the results are miraculous. Otherwise, they can rot in cold, wet soil. now, okay, tell tell me tell me how to grow lettuce. <laughs> well, it's just a it's a uh, leaf lettuce, 
And I've just been putting Oh, no, I'm sorry. Some, I'm sorry. Uh, spinach. Spinach. Yeah, what okay. is this arcane well, instruction you've been given? Well, it, it talks about uh, soaking it for 24 hours, and then you let them dry, and then you put them in a, uh, like a Tupperware container and leave it for seven days in a cool, dark place. And? And then you plant them, <laughs> and then you get them out and you plant them, and supposedly they germinate uh, quicker. And I guess I'm not so much concerned about the quicker part as I am that they germinate. I've yeah. just had really horrible luck with my spinach germinating. Well, guess what? So yes. have I. Um, people people think I can, I'm like Aquaman. I can just point to a bed and suddenly there's tomatoes growing in it. Um, but I have struggled with several plants over the years. And um, luckily for me, uh, organic baby lettuce is widely available in supermarkets at a very reasonable price. So when I fail year after year, I just quit and try something different. So I can't help you there. I mean, read up on it. Um, I would not plant them if they haven't sprouted. But have you tried this? Uh, no, I haven't yet. So take, uh, uh, how big are your seed packets? Do you get like a quarter pound or just a packet? Um, I probably got two good sized packets. They're not huge. They're not quarter pound, but they're, you know, there's several hundred. I've got several hundred seeds to play with. Excellent. I would take approximately 50 seeds, run them through this, um, do everything as instructed, Although I, I I hope the Tupperware thing isn't tight because they're going to get moldy. I, I don't remember. I'd have to yeah, go back. Yeah, they're going to get yeah. moldy otherwise. Um, mm -hmm. And then see what you get. Uh, plant those out. And otherwise, just wait till the soil warms up a little bit. But I find them to be difficult. Um, I'm sure other people are laughing right now. Um, but the truth is, <laughs> I, can, I can grow some amazingly exotic plants. Um, but sometimes, you know, I can't grow weeds, you know, and that's the reality of this game is even people like me, um, we're not good at everything. What else was, oh, um, I would not try to start my beets inside. Um, that they don't transplant well. So what I would do with the beets is similar to what I do with my uh, spring pea seeds. I would, mm -hmm. I would roll out some of the seeds in um, moist paper towels, put them in Ziplocs, don't zip it, and check them, um, you know, after five days and then every day thereafter. You should see sprouts. You know, this is also used as a germination test if you've got old seeds that you want to try to use. So oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, um, but I, I wouldn't try to transplant um, beet seeds. I love beets, by the way. Oh, I'm a fool for beets. I do too, and I hate it when I don't get a good crop. But now I did transplant some last fall. And? And I, I did better than I had in uh, the last couple of season because where we are we can do spring and fall beets right um, and 
I I did way better in the fall with transplanted than I did in the spring. But I did not prod my seeds in the spring. Because the soil was already warm. It is mm-hmm. a breeze to plant almost anything in late summer or fall. Whereby with spring, you, you've got a lot of cold, wet soil to deal with. Um, and, of course, you do a fall run of uh, spinach then, too, right? Right. Okay. So um, try a couple of those things. Do some germination tests. And um, if you're successful, send me a pound of spinach. Okay. <laughs> All righty. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tina. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to an encore presentation of You Bet Your Garden. As promised, it is time for the question of the week, which we are calling, There Must Be 50 Ways to Kill Your Sluggies. Carol in Chesapeake, Virginia, who listens to us on WHRV, writes, I've been buying flowers and setting them outside in their original pots every spring, summer, and fall for the past 25 years, including geraniums, verbena, pansies, and zinnias. The past two years, however, I've had a terrible problem with snails eating the plants. I have tried nearly every remedy I could find on the Internet with no success, including beer, coffee grounds, Epsom salts, sluggo, Vaseline around the tops of the pots, mothballs, garlic spray, eggshells, and the balls from sweet gum trees. We never saw snails previously and have not done anything significantly different in the areas around the pots. Well, before we address your Molluscan marauders, we have to review your internet list as a cautionary warning to others. There's no reason to expect coffee grounds, Epsom salts, or garlic spray to be effective against these pests, but at least they're safe. Mothballs are not safe. It's shocking that they're still for sale. These little balls of kidney cancer in a box are extremely dangerous to you, pets, wildlife, and just about every living thing on the planet. Whatever site recommended them should be ashamed of itself. Now, let's take a closer look at your could-have-worked choices, starting with beer. Beer can be highly effective, especially when used as a diagnostic tool when you aren't sure what's causing overnight damage to your plants. Both snails and slugs work at night and thus often go undetected. Now, to use beer effectively, bury some small containers near the affected plants. Things like cat food cans and the little half-pint containers from the deli. Make them flush with the soil. You want to make it easy for the pests to fall in. Then, as evening falls, crack a fresh can of yeasty beer and fill those containers. Do not fill them during the day. They'll be useless by the evening. Do not use, quote, stale beer. Slugs and snails like stale beer about as much as you or I would. If this tactic proves to be effective, buy a case of the cheapest beer you can find, empty the containers of their dead, drunken quarry every morning, and refill your traps every evening. Now, products like Sluggo and Escargo are pelletized yeast laced with iron phosphate. The slugs go for the yeast and then are incapacitated by the iron. A light sprinkling on the surface of the soil around your plants should be effective. Don't pile it up. 
missed it slightly at dusk for optimum results. Vaseline, that's really interesting. I suspect the mollusks might actually find it comforting, as it's a lot like their slime. I can't see it hurting them. That brings us to eggshells and itchy balls. That's what we used to call those round spiked sweet gum tree seed heads when we threw them at each other as kids. Eggshells, there is some thought the slugs won't cross over a line of calcium, but for that to work, you'd have to crush the shells up very fine. A commercial product known as diatomaceous earth, or just DE, would be a much better choice. To us, it looks and feels like flour, but it's very sharp on a microscopic level. It needs to be bone dry to be effective. And if you surround the plants with enough itchy balls, I can't imagine snails trying to mollusk their way in. Now, you say you put out store-bought containers of plants. I suspect that because of their relatively small size, you're overwatering them or watering them at night which is the worst you can do just before the slugs go to work. Only water your plants in the morning and don't water them every day. Keep them a little bit on the dry side till this problem is taken care of. You can also try capturing the pests underneath wooden boards. The University of California Department of Agricultural and Natural Resources suggests laying down the boards with little stones or something holding them up about an inch off the ground. Slugs and snails will retreat to this easy protection at sunrise. Later in the day, you'll go out and scrape your catch into a bucket with some soapy water in the bottom. Taunt them as they drown. Copper can be wildly effective. Slugs and snails get electrocuted when they touch copper, which is very cool to watch. You can buy thin strips of copper flashing at hardware and home improvement stores and wrap it around the outside lip of your containers. Wear good gloves, though. Copper flashing can be very sharp. Now, Martha Stewart once solved a similar problem by hot gluing copper pennies around the tops of her containers, which might be more workable if you transplanted into bigger pots to get a wider surface area to work with. Another option is to place lettuce leaves and citrus rinds on the ground around the pots and then go out late at night or early in the morning and collect it as the beasts are still feeding. Similarly, you can wet the plants down like blazes in the early evening and then go out at midnight with a flashlight and hand pick the pests. Now, be sure to check the undersides of your containers for snails in hiding and or their eggs. Snails and slugs love the moist, dark areas underneath pots. And finally, don't pour salt on them. Yeah, it makes them writhe and dissolve, and it's fun to watch, but it's also very bad for your plant. Well, that sure was some great information about controlling marauding mollusks. Now, wasn't it? They are mollusks, aren't they? I think so. Luckily for you, the question of the week appears in print at the Gardens Alive website to read it over in detail. And at your leisure or your leisure, just click the link for the question of the week at our website, which is still and will forever be youbetyourgarden.org. Gardens Alive supports the You Bet Your Garden Question of the Week, and you will always find the latest Question of the Week at 
the Gardens Live website. Yikes, my producer is threatening to grace escargot to my garden if I don't get out of the studio. We must be out of time, but you can call us anytime at 888-492-9444 or send us your email, your tired, your poor, your wretched refuse, teeming towards our garden shore at ybyg at wlvt.org. You'll find all of this contact information at our website. Do you remember? It's youbetyourgarden.org, where you'll also find the answers to many of your garden questions, audio of this show, video of this show, audio and video, previous shows, and our priceless podcast. Ken Queter plays our theme song. Our chief content officer is Yoni Greenbaum. Our engineer is cheerful Charlie Sarah. Our social media director is Amanda McGrath. Check out her fine work and join the You Bet Your Garden community at our Facebook page. It's rocking and rolling, cats and kittens. A cautionary note on today's feature. Although it may seem like getting even, don't attempt to eat your garden snails. The ones that France has made famous and, and which are actually delicious have been farm-raised on a special diet that prevents them forming the toxins that are present in the ones eating our plants. Uh, Teresa Radke, she is our peerless princess of profound production. Our audio editor is Jazzy Jonas Bowen. Our CEO, Tim Fallon, is not our executive producer, is late for six meetings, and will eat just about anything that's been soaked in butter and garlic. I'm your host, Mike McGrath. Faster than a speeding slug. More powerful than Sicilian garlic. Able to leap heirloom tomatoes in a single bound. And disguised as the mild-mannered host of a public broadcasting program, will be back to fight for truth, justice, and the organic way next week.